Hi, Sonia. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Rieko. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Mm. <laughs> it's been a little colder in New York. <laughs> Yeah, did yeah. you make it? No, I wish. I, I got it at a farmer's market. Um, yeah, it's handmade. Thank you. Oh. I like I like handiworks. I do. I knit and crochet. So I'd appreciate all those things. Yeah. Oh, here's Paula. Hi, Paula. Hi, Sonia. Hi, Rieko. Hi. So nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Mm. Let me get my lights situated mm. here. Mm. Yeah. So we're connected with Australia tonight. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to turn my light because you notice how dark it is on the video. I haven't seen you for a while, Rico. I know. How are you, Paula? Good. Yeah. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Tracy. <laughs> So I, um, I volunteered to facilitate tonight's community call. Yay! Yay! <laughs> um, so I will be, I'll pray us in, I'll hold space, but other than that, it's community call as usual. <laughs> That's terrific. Yeah. Sure. Oh, Laurel's here too. Hi, Rieko. Hi, Laurel. Oh, hi, everyone. Hi. hi, everyone. It's a little cozy group right now, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it's nice and cozy. It's so nice, yes. Hi, everyone. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Sonia. It's Laurel. If you're not there, I'll go anyway. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> hi, Carol. Yeah, everybody's coming on. <laughs> I wonder, okay. Oh, still 7.02. Hi, my volume was right turned down. No worries. Nice to see you, Carol. Nice to see you too, Rico. Yeah. And Paula and Laura. Yeah, it's sweet in, a, in, a, in like these little groups, you know? Yeah. It's in it. Mm. Well, is maybe... There's no one else here today? Like, yeah, Jennifer's um, not here. It's a community call, and I... Yeah, I, I 
Yeah, it's a community call, and I volunteer to facilitate, so I'll be facilitating. <laughs> I honestly don't understand why we would need a facilitator. Could somebody tell me? <laughs> you know, I think it's, um, I think it's because, well, I, I actually love it when there's a facilitator because I feel like the energetics are just, it's, it's easier to go um, to a deeper conversation when there is somebody who's like dedicated to hold space mm -hmm. and um and i i just feel that in the mastery circles and the um other conversations we've had in the breakout calls where angela's holding space for us so um i think there is benefit to having a facilitator or two um i think that might be where it's coming from i, I think also, yeah, there, there was feedback uh, from the members and the feedback uh, suggested that a facilitator would be helpful. Appreciated, yeah. I, I, and I did read that and I'm just glad to hear that because I just didn't even understand. So thank you <laughs> for sharing yeah. that view of it. Yeah. Well, should I pray us in and see if more folks will join while we're praying? Sure. Okay. All right. Oh, so just a reminder to please mute yourself uh, while you're not speaking so we can keep the recording nice and clear. Be helpful. I, I don't have the capacity to mute people. So, all right. Okay. So let's place our hand on our heart and take a deep breath together with love and gratitude, so much gratitude to have this community in our life, to come together as two or more that are gathered. We set an intention for a miraculous healing tonight. We're so grateful that we can connect across time and space with each other and all those who will listen later to really set an intention for a joyful, inspiring, nourishing conversation. We're happy to invite our highest, most loving self, the Holy Spirit, into our heart and our mind. And we put spirit in charge of this call, knowing that we'll be told when to speak, when to listen, what to hear, anything and everything that comes up for healing is helpful. We're happy to surrender all of our judgments and any ideas about how this call should unfold how we should behave how others should behave we're happy to allow ourselves to be lifted and carried in the flow of love and we bless this call knowing that it is already blessed and we share the benefits of our healing nourishing inspiring uplifting conversation with everyone because we're one with them and with great gratitude we allow it to be we know the healing is already happening, and so it is. Amen. Okay. Hmm. It really is nice to see you all. Would anyone like to start us off with a share? Yes, Paula. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I'm in the midst 
of um, you know a, a, a digging into a, an issue that you know Jennifer got us started uh, last night or the past couple you know talking about family stuff and she was talking about guilt and um, I I had trouble the, the coming up with guilt. You know, I've done a lot of things and haven't looked back and gone, well, I feel guilty. But I, I, I think the, what kicked me off, it didn't tick me off, it kicked me off, <laughs> was my uh, um, uh, husband. And I mentioned, I talked about this last night. Were you there, Laurel? <clears throat> Yeah, um, uh, he, it's not that he doesn't do this. He does this from time to time where he um, just goes on an attack. He'll pick anything and just um, counter it and uh, um, be snarky and snide. And um, when I respond, then he kind of goes into attack mode, bully mode, it's really unpleasant. And I've come a long way in my relationship with Steve. However, this is a, is a uh, how do you say, uh, this is a hot button, a hot button. And um, in the past, there have been times when I would yell at him uh, and, then he, and then he accuses me of yelling at him. <laughs> Whereas, you know, when he comes on with his snarkiness, it's so nasty and so hurtful. And I, I don't snark like that. And so I, I feel uh, um, kind of helpless. And so sometimes... I'll just go, why, why do you do this? And he'll go, well, because you blah, blah, blah. And then you blah, blah, blah. And you always blah, blah, blah. And you never blah, blah, blah. And I'll go, that is such bullshit. You know? <laughs> or, you know, and then it, that doesn't go anywhere naturally. So <laughs> uh, I can walk away. And not and just go bam I'm shut door is shut and I'll go away and stew uh, whenever I become angry about it I also it makes me ill I'll, I'll have to spend a portion of either the next day or that day resting because it just chews me up and spits me out uh, the the shutting the door and going off is uh, less painful and then it's just a matter of waiting until i'll get a little uh, uh steve will come back into the picture and attempt to be um you know loving and likable and helping and what have you yesterday he sent me a little meme that showed him, uh, you know, those little memes that you can make of yourself. And it had a heart that said, I love you on it. 
and he sent that to me and I thought that that was very sweet and then we usually just let it go and go back into uh, daily life until it happens again so I'm thinking what the heck is this and you know in looking at the family stuff that Jennifer was bringing up and I, I kind of got some insights from her and working with, does anybody know Helen Liebline? Uh, she's, uh, she's in my um, uh, freedom circle and um, I'm trying to get her into masterful living. Uh, she's really, she's very good. Um, but what, what happened was I began to look at it through the eyes of Ho'oponopono. And can I go into, it's like if I look at Steve and go, what, what is he protecting? You know, if he is innocent, if he is the Christ and he is innocent, and if, um, what does it say up there, you're not really there. If I think you are guilty and I'm the cause of the projection, then I made you up. <laughs> so the guilt and fear must be in me. I, I got that from, from Gary Renard. So uh, then I thought, well, let's look at Steve's background, you know, and he was ridiculed as a child because he had his ears stuck out. It was a family thing and they had them tacked back. So, but the first maybe six, seven years of his life, he was bullied and he's a really sensitive kid. Uh, his father was angry. There, there's like, I can see all of a sudden I began to see um, that it, it was like a family, a family thing handed down from generation to generation. And on some of our talks, I've heard people mention this and I've heard Jennifer mention it. And I know in the angel book, she told the story about where there was a killing, people killed somebody. And the young couple that they killed remained around until there was resolution in the families today that could then ricochet back into other dimensions of time and space. And I thought, you know, Steve didn't just come by his own guilt, anger, judgments, blame, shame uh, by himself. You know, it's part of an ancestral thing. I can see that. And then uh, I felt like, wow, to do Ho'oponopono on this, you know, on what is it to be a bully? There's some, some, so many parts to it. Like there's people who bullied Steve. And then he feels that the only way to, to be safe is to be a bully, you know? So 
that, that all of um, the sonship who feel that we have to be bullies in um, to deal with our fear. I am sorry. You know, I'm sorry uh, to the people that that I may have bullied. I'm sorry um, to the higher holy self for entering into the separation and then bullying people in it. You know, and I, I and then I can start to unpack. That's a new word that I'm liking, the, the unpacking, because to unpack this whole event of between he and I, between him and me, rather, um, is uh, g- giving me so many forgiveness opportunities. And I'm seeing where they do extend beyond time and space and into ancestry. You know, and my own too. I can look at that. My my abused father passes that on. You know, so um, to me, it's very exciting because I'm Helen. I'm with Helen. I'm doing a 30-day forgiveness letter thing. <laughs> Remember, Rieko, you inspired me on this. Rieko did a 21-day deep desire of the heart with me um, earlier this year actually and every day we would text each other about what was going on so every day helen and i are texting each other about the forgiveness work that we have done that day and we're holding each other accountable which is what you know rieko did uh for me and so um uh this is a work in progress, but the unpacking part of it. And I'm just very excited by it because I'm realizing all the good juju that can come out of this, you know. Uh, the, other, the, the other thing that I'm doing is I made a list of 30 things for which I judge Donald Trump. <laughs> I just started to write them and, you know, people say to me, what, only 30? But at any rate, I I took 30 and then each day I'll do a forgiveness letter around those judgments and um, where we, the people, are involved as well, you know. So anyway, I just wanted to share that because it's on top for me now. Thank you all. <laughs> Can you repeat that um, saying with Gary from Gary Renard? <clears throat> yes. Um, hold on. Let's see. Can you see it? No, wait, here it is. No, okay, I'll read it. Um, You're not really there. If I think you are guilty or the cause of the problem and I made you up, then the imagined guilt and fear 
must be in me. Then he goes on and says, since the separation from God never occurred in cats, I forgive both of us for what we haven't really done. And then he concludes, now there is only innocence and I join with the Holy Spirit in peace. so yeah so to see uh, him in his innocence is real helpful real helpful and and to realize that it's all my projection whether i like it or not <laughs> and what i get from what you know, what you're talking about is just how we, we all have our blocks to love. And Steve does his a certain way, and you do yours, I do mine, Reiko does hers. I mean, we all have our kind of like our favorite ways, I guess, to, to go back into what feels like the safety of being alone and isolated. You know, it's just, it blows my mind that, that we're actually afraid to love. <laughs> you know, um, you know I've, I've been having my own, um, you know, growth lessons, you know, but with like my cat and my roommate, you know, it's like, I, I just think it's so funny because relationships are, you know, the, the, the the pathway you know to enlightenment basically and you know i'm sitting here thinking well i don't have a relationship you know so how am i gonna you know get my things to unpack you know so to speak and and my cat has done that for me my new cat she's not that new anymore but she's she likes to uh scratch on the carpet and it's just getting ruined then <laughs> and I finally surrendered because I said, I, I don't want to love her un, uh, with conditions. That's not love. I want to just love her unconditionally. And if she ruins the carpet, so what? The joy is in the love. It's not in having the carpet being intact. But I had to go through a whole process to understand that that's what I was doing and that I didn't want to do that anymore. I was making myself miserable with it. So now I am completely in love with my cat and my roommate who I had prayed and prayed about and had asked for, you know, your help in prayers and other groups for prayers. And I waited three months on trying to get by on my own and I couldn't do it one more day and she came. And she has been such a gift to my life. And, um, and for the first time in a, in a very long time, I feel like I'm living in a family um, with somebody that's like a sister, feels like a sister energy. 
not even like my real sisters who have no spiritual interest at all. You know, we have these wonderful talks and we both love the cat so much and each have our own relationship with the cats. It's like our shared child. And it's just so amazing to me how spirit works and how I just prayed for the perfect roommate for me and the cat. And that's who's here. That's who lives with me. And I'm finally feeling so settled and happy in my own home. Um, it's a wonderful thing. And this year, when we were setting our, our intentions and our goals and aspirations, uh, my intention was to fall in love with my life. And that is because I have never loved my life. I've never loved myself. I've never loved a life. Um, I'm a person that spent a lot of time crossing off days on the calendar going, good, one more day closer to when I'll die. Get out of here. I hate it here. And for me to now, actually today, I was sitting at the table and I went, oh my goodness, I just felt in love with my life for the first time ever. <laughs> it's so exciting. And I also feel like I'm on this path um, that's going to really help me heal my whatever's going on in my autoimmune world. <laughs> um, I feel like I have finally found a path that I want to travel that I believe in because that's been a real issue. I haven't believed that I haven't had the trust. I've tried so many things and nothing worked that I just really, I didn't totally give up, but I had such a, um, a um, skepticism whenever anybody would talk to me about, oh, try this, try that. And I was like, I've been there, done that, you know, just not going to waste money anymore on these things. But then a miracle happened. Uh, my best friend and one of her good friends, both who have autoimmune disorders, shared with me how that they they're using these certain probiotics that they get from Florida and that they have healed. They are healed. I'm like, okay, sign me up. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. And I've been doing it just for maybe the last four or five days and I feel more energy already. So this is very exciting. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> One day you will not see me in my in my nightgown and robe. I might actually become a dressed person and go out in, in the world. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy that tonight was a community call and I could share that with you. I love you guys so much. Love you, Laurel. Thank you. Thank You're you. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, thank you for being my my brothers and sisters on this path. Not knowing, knowing that you're on the knowing that we're on this path. That's yeah. Thank you all. Beautiful share. Thank you, Laurel. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful we're on this path together too. So focused on it. It's so great. God bless the cat. <laughs> and the dog. <laughs> 
Laura, I think you are on the streak for like the most animal miracles. <laughs> I just have to tell you that I opened up my homeowner's newsletter the other day, which I never read, but I started reading and it said like, like the, the regulations, there will be no dog barking. <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> All right. I already got my lesson from this. That's fine. Thank you. Laurel, we have a dog in our building that whenever the sirens go off, he kind of howls along with them and sings. Not barking, but it's pretty, it's actually pretty tuneful. Howling at the moon. Laurel, you'll have to send me that Florida, that probiotic from Florida. I'm interested in it too. I'll uh, ping you on uh, Messenger or something, okay? <laughs> Oh, shoot. Good share. Thank you. Good to see you in such high spirits. Yeah, Laura, when you said um, I fell in love with my life for the first time, it brought tears to my eyes. It's so powerful and beautiful. Thank you. It's so nice to see you laughing and smiling and the the energy all around you is just so light and bright and uplifting and you inspire all of us. Thank you, Laurel. So true. We've just, I think everyone's just... Um... I think we're all just laughing and smiling with you because, you know, we're one. So your healing is our healing. And I can just feel that just rising up, just rising up, this healing feeling. just amazing. And um, I can feel it also reflected in my life, a similar kind of thing where I've found a group of people that are really um, open and I can share really um, openly with no judgment. This is a, it's a 12 step group that I've joined and I, I like it as an adjunct to this because it's in person, which I find really nourishing just to have an in-person contact, but it's very similar to our community in that there's no judgment, that people accept everything that you share with, without question and, um, it's just really, it's like, I feel like I finally found my people. I've got my masterful living people and I've got my people that I meet on a Wednesday night and I feel really supported with all of that. And it's just all come together in the last, I don't know, a couple of months. And when you shared Laurel, I felt so in tune with what you were saying. It's like, yes, we we're all going there together. Thank you, Sonia. I, I really feel it too. 
and it's just um, nothing beats having a community, doesn't it? Like the where you feel like you belong and you feel loved and supported unconditionally. And to me, the community call has been the first place I really felt that, that I, I learned that there is a way to be with others in a group setting that feels so deeply connected and loving and it's just like so safe and uplifting. And uh, all of you who are here tonight really like each and every one of you have helped me find that here in this community. So thank you. Rand, who do you have there? He has lots of different names. Uh, Feral Barrel is the one I'm choosing right now. He's been called Milkshake and Mishka. He responds to most of them, actually. He loves when we do Masterful Living because he knows there's a lap form. I've noticed that when I meditate, my cats are attracted to that. Have, have you all discovered that? I mean, I, I'll be up in my bedroom and I'll be sitting on my bed and no, no cats in the room. I'll meditate and after a few minutes, open my eyes, all the cats are there. <laughs> they want to be where the action is. My dog really likes it when I meditate, and usually he slips in a lick. <laughs> Hi, Felicia. It's nice to hear your voice. Hi. It's great to see you, too, and it's, it's really um, exciting to see Laurel feeling so well, um, uh, it makes, I, I feel it too. It, it just uplifts me. It, I have a smile on my face just from watching Laurel. Yes. Who else is on the phone down there? It's Tracy. Tracy and Felicia. Uh. I guess I got to be the token boy here today. <laughs> is there anything anyone else is feeling called to share tonight? Well, I'll uh, update those. Uh, like I said, I'm uh, contemplating a move to Ohio, hopefully not in wintertime. <laughs> and um, so I'm busy looking at places and uh, trying to figure out how to make this move. 
and uh, there's a lot of uh, logistics, but I'm kind of turning a lot of this over to God to make it happen. Uh, it wouldn't happen otherwise. It's a lot of turning over and knowing that there are people that's going to come forward to help me make this move. I ask Rand why, you know, what is motivating the move? I'm curious because I'll be moving eventually myself. Uh, my wife and I are uh, splitting up and, um, and uh, I, you know, I don't have any support in this town. There's just too few people I know. And uh, I figure at this point, maybe it's best to, go hang with family, which I haven't done in 30 years in Ohio. So, you know, I can trace my journey in life. Uh, it started in Dayton, Ohio, and meandered around Ohio, and it went down to Florida, and then it went up to Memphis, Tennessee, by way of Louisville, and from Memphis, Tennessee, out to Portland, Oregon, and Portland to Eugene, Oregon, and now Eugene, Oregon, maybe back to Dayton, to complete the circle, or complete the whatever you want to call that <laughs> I should I needed to get Southern California in there somewhere but I did I didn't manage to do that next slide Rand I loved what you said about um, giving it to God and trusting that help will be sent to you because that's a mentality that's totally new to me like I mean not not recently but like before masterful living that's that's not how I thought of anything in life you know approaching it that way to to think of myself as worthy of receiving help and that there is help available um yeah so thank you for reinforcing that for me Prior to uh, Masterful Living, uh, I prided myself on my independence and uh, in my ability to do it myself, take care of things. And uh, with Masterful Living, uh, I have learned the beauty of accepting the gift of, of uh, help. In, in the situation I'm in now and knowing that I'm glad I had this opportunity to learn this rather than that go alone mentality which hasn't helped me through many a marriage and uh, so but we learn we learn and uh, I celebrate this current go around that I made it for almost 15 years doubling my my previous record so <laughs> there's an upside to everything i guess and hopefully uh uh my wife and i will be good friends even after i'm gone i, I no longer of uh of that uh Category. I, I know my first two wives I had, I've had my fourth one. Uh, they, they ended in such a way that, you know, there was no contact. 
and uh, but I still talk to my uh, ex-wife, my third ex-wife, and she sends me cards and notes and things, and it's really nice. And that's a a good thing to keep. Things don't have to be ugly, nor do they, you know, keeping within spirit. And uh, so I've learned such an incredible amount of stuff about this. I'm still working on um, boundaries are a lot of issues for me still to work on with people. Uh, and uh, there's been a sense all my life of, of, of running around being kind of lonely, you know, a self-motivated, you know, just doing my own thing. And um, so with Master Living, I learned that I'm never really alone. And uh, I'd like to see that more in practice wherever I go, especially now that I'm, you know, on a scooter most of the time or a walker, which are impediments at least in my mind right now, until I get rid of them, I'm working on letting go of that belief. Uh, everything's a belief that can be definitely uh, let go of. So uh, much learning yet still to be accomplished in this life, however long it goes. I have no uh, uh, attachment to a length of life or anything, just that that there's still learning to be accomplished and learning can happen and I can be of service any way I can. Same goes for Feral Barrel. <laughs> That's the name of the kitty. And I'll uh, pass the floor to the next person who wants to share. Oh, thank you, Rand. Um, I was just um, thinking about the, the way you described the circle and coming around and then your relationships, that lately I've been thinking about that too, because my first boyfriend is the father of my first child. And mm -hmm. he, we're spending Christmas Eve with him this year. Um, because he's in fourth stage liver cancer. And so all the family are gathering together with him Christmas Eve. And I, he's been sort of having this cancer issue for a couple of years. And I've been, I've been quite distant from it. I, I have been, you know, chatting to him occasionally on Facebook and things because that he set up a Facebook chat group to, for himself as a support thing. And um, he lives a long way away, like, you know, it's a two and a half hour flight. So it's quite a long way. Um, so we don't see him very often. But I was really connecting with him just in the last, about two weeks ago, I, I was listening to the soundtrack from Moulin Rouge and the song, um, your song, Ewan McGregor sings that in the movie and El Elton John originally sang it and Scott 
gave it to me when we were going out together and he said it was my song like he picked it for me as a present from him and um so when i listened to that song a couple of weeks ago i remembered that and it was coming back to that you know that first flush of like romantic love that we had and feeling that same love again in just in that innocent way, not in a, not in like I want to get back together with him or anything. Um, but I sent him a message with a link to that song and just said, you know, I'm listening to this now. Just didn't want to comment any further, just as a gift to him back. And I felt like when I see him at Christmas Eve, that there'll be like a kind of like a coming back in a circle. And I'm hoping that that will be a nice um, completion for us in our lifetime together. Yeah. Because we, we haven't been together for 30 years. And, but he's been in my life because he's my son's father. So I, yeah. I love that idea of coming into the full circle and that will be a nice way of releasing it for me to releasing him to, to leave this planet, you know, and go on to the next thing. Um, his next form in whatever happens afterwards. And um, yeah, so that, thank you for, for bringing that up to me because I, I wasn't sure what to think about it before. So you're, you're telling me that this may be his last Christmas or something? Yes. Illness. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad you're having that chance to reconnect a little bit because we know our relationships never go away. I mean, even though we're not married or whatever, they're still yeah. part of us. Exactly. Uh, I mean, He's moved what am I yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, when after we split up, he got married and then divorced again, and I mean, divorced as well. And then he um, came out and he's been gay since about 20 years ago. So he's really gone quite a distance away from when we were together in his life. He's really opened out into something completely different. So I didn't think that I would ever feel like this connection of that love that we first had again. I sort of thought it's gone now because he's moved so far off into another realm, but it's there. Yeah. That's beautiful. I mean, it just, that's the story. You know, like I say, we never, you know, if you've loved someone once, there's always some of that part of you that always remains. Yeah, because the love isn't anything to do with form, is it? It's just the no. love. So yeah. love. You just yeah. connect to that pure love. That is, um, that's the beauty in the relationship. The, the form can change and you can think that it's something you don't want or something that doesn't fit with you, but the love always will fit because the love is the pure love that doesn't change. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I had a client who uh, called me one day and I had been working with him for a while 
And um, she said, uh, Paula, my husband is going, wants to um, be a, a woman. He wants to go through the whole transsexual thing. I don't know what to do. And uh, I said, well, do you love him? And she said, yes. I said, well, you know, let that, that lead the way. And he's been going through this process, and they are remaining a married couple. You know, and it, it reminded me of um, at, the, at the yoga monastery, we had a person come in who uh, uh, was a female student of yoga, Jyoti, and she became Swami Jyoti. Uh, and of course, she could fix cars and she could fix, <laughs> you know, uh, what do you call it, um, printer machines and stuff like that. But I never thought anything of it. And then one day she said that she was actually a transgendering woman. Now she was a man, she had been in the Navy, she had two children. Now she, and she was uh, looking for the $10,000 that it would take to go through her final thing. And a friend of mine came to the yoga monastery. I don't know if you know Carolyn Mace. She's written a couple of books and she channels a, a, an intelligence named Genesis. And she said, do you want to talk to Genesis? And I said, yes, please. So she sat down and I asked Genesis about Swami Jyoti. And Genesis said, human beings can be whatever they want. They don't have to be male or female. It's an exploration here. It's only conditioning that makes us think we have to be one way or the other. That was great. <laughs> Did when you I want was, to say something, Rand? Yeah, it just, it just made me laugh because I remembered uh, when I was a, a student physician, I had a transgender client that was kind of partially, you know, not, not all the way. And um, so um, we would refer to, uh, I think it was, so the she to a he? I'm trying to remember. I think it was a he to a she. And so we used the she pronoun, even though genitalia-wise it was still male. And we would, uh, it was just, it just, it just chuckles me trying to keep it all straight. <laughs> working with somebody like that but uh, it was a pleasure and I learned and and that person taught me plenty let me tell you that I'm grateful to have that person as a, as a client at that time That's all to say, Sonia, that that's beautiful. I really appreciate your sharing of that. And I just saw Bohemian Rhapsody. 
Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and that was really a beautiful movie and his strong relationship was with his first wife. Yeah, I, I saw that too because Jennifer mentioned that she was seeing it. Yeah. And then I thought, I want to see it too because I'm seeing it. So I went to see it with my girlfriend and we both adored the movie. Like it was so uplifting. I just wanted to go back in and see it again straight away. <laughs> yeah, they've got, I mean, people that have different, all these various genders and the, the struggle I've had to go through to get accepted, it's, it's got so much to teach us about non-judgment. And it's just, it's just wonderful, really. There's, there's a lot of that starting to change in Australia now where we've got we've got laws about same-sex marriage now and so that's starting to happen and so the things are opening up a lot for them for people in the LB LMNOP community <laughs> and um, yeah all those um, gender issues are, are just becoming more spoken about in the news and in radio programs and everywhere. I think people are really happy that it's it, we're free now to, to talk about all these things because um, I don't think anyone likes to feel that, that shame, even if um, you think you're just straight and you're just living your life and it doesn't affect you, but it does because if there's a taboo that you can't talk about, it affects everyone. Mm. Yeah, and who creates the taboos? When my, when my partner um, came out, we were, it was happened at Christmas time again. And we went to my son's stepmother's house, which we were doing every year on Christmas day. And uh, we, uh, we, we gathered there and Scott turned up with his, he'd been divorced for a year or two. And he just turned up with his partner who was a man. That was how, we came to know, well, I did, our family, my little family came to know that that he was gay and nothing was said, but we just accepted it. And my son, who was about um, 10, um, 9 or 10, he, he came to me afterwards and he said, Mum, I didn't know Dad was gay. <laughs> I said, yeah, well, I know I didn't know either, but, you know, it doesn't matter who who you love it's it's just the fact that you love somebody that's the important thing you know so it was it was very um, not traumatic at all for me and it, and for, for Daniel it was a surprise but I didn't make it anything of it I tried to play it down as much as possible to just say yeah it's okay that's that's fine you know it's not a not a big deal so, um, but I, I think he did, 
he did hide it. Daniel did hide it from his friends for a number of years, but now I think he's he's grown up and he's he's okay with it. I think it's high school, the high school period. He didn't want to be teased by kids around it, so he, he kept it quiet. But after that, when he left school, I think he he's found it a lot easier to just um, just be open with it too. That's a gift to your son, you know, because he'll he'll be able to, you know, it'll expand his non-judgment perspective. That's great. Yeah, yeah Sonia, I was so touched by what you said to your son, the how loving and open-minded and accepting and optimistic and and what a gift to your son like Paula said that he received those words from you instead of you know anger and resentment and prejudice and all of that and to hear your mom say that to you yeah yeah how lucky he is to be Praised by someone like you who can teach him to love instead of hate. It's just so precious. Thank you, Rieka. I yeah. Well it was honest. I mean I didn't I didn't feel any other way. So I was just telling him honestly how I I felt about it and also saying words that would help him um be open and and not afraid or not not shut down around it so um yeah i guess that is a legacy of um how i was brought up because my mum i was brought up by my mum um pretty much and <clears throat> she was really uh alternative she she'd go to spend weeks in ashrams and visit different um, gurus in india and so i think i was really opened up from a very young age with she taught me yoga when i was six and she'd have classes at home so i think that having that uh, mother as you know showing me that the conditioning of society is not always it's not necessarily the way to go you can you can be open so i think that i've got to thank her i've got to thank her for that and i don't know how she got it because she came from a very you know um oh you know she came from a family in in norway living in a fjord that were you know there, were, there wouldn't have been any of that she just decided herself to go and find yoga and, and took it from there. So, yeah, that, that's definitely where I've gotten that attitude of openness from. So it came from my mum and I'm just passing it on. So I was lucky too. I have this image of us being put into a serum 
and injected into the bloodstream of humanity. <laughs> you know, like somewhere in the Bible, they talked about the yeast, you know, being put into the bread so that the bread can rise. And that's, that's what I'm witnessing here uh, with all of us. We're, we're the yeast that is creating of the um, rising of mankind. It's so beautiful. Yeah, so Sonia, thank you for your share. It's just, yeah, I agree, Paula. It's so interesting listening to everybody and then, of course, relating it to my own path right now. But um, I've been thinking about you this week, Paula, how you talk about how with your family you've just decided to think of, let, let them think of you as the crazy Aunt Paula or something like that. I'm starting to think maybe I better follow your example because, I mean, I'm, you know, you all know I've got this situation with my family and um, I'm not sure if it's going to shift in the near future. I mean, I keep praying. I feel like I'm having, a, you know, my faith feels bigger than a mustard seed to me. But anyway, I'm not getting any feedback yet that anything's shifting on their side. And um and I've just been reflecting on my journey with A Course in Miracles, for example, coming from the conditioning in my family, which was Protestant Christian and then Evangelical Christian. And, you know, the very first time I became aware of A Course in Miracles was probably in 1980 or so. And I was going to a Christian college and my really close, one of my really close girlfriends there, we were both considered to be... Um, pretty serious, I mean, pretty, pretty into our Christianity, you know, <laughs> we had our quiet times every morning and stuff like that, you know, and people knew that. And her brother got into Course in Miracles, and then she did, which on an evangelical Christian campus, that would be considered almost like a cult. And so she got a lot of judgment. And, um, and I, she had the love of God in her. So I was just like, you know, God's going to take care of her. She, she's going to be fine. You know, I'm not, I didn't feel all judgmental, thank heavens, but I, I, I didn't get into A Course in Miracles. She didn't invite me to either. Um, but I had friends who were exposed to Course in Miracles at that age in their life, and they um, recognized the truth of it and really have gone with it and, and have had it in their lives all those years, yet I didn't. And, and, um, and it took me, and, and, then I, and then I came across it again at another point. I think I even bought it, and then I, I just had so much resistance, I took it back, you know, <laughs> returned it. And, and, um, and so when I finally started getting into the course, it was um, 2003, so it's been about 15 years. But sometimes I um, am envious of my friends or people who have been benefiting from the teachings much longer than that. And I realized I just um, took that long. And, 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 and it was, and when I did get into it, I started talking to, well, there's people before them that I was talking about stuff that was outside of evangelical Christian. I, I had so much fear. I had so much resistance. It was so, so what I'm getting at is I'm realizing that for my family, I represent all of that, probably. And I think that's probably a really big part of what's going on. Um, 
especially with my sister, who's the most evangelical, and then my brother married into a Catholic family. And, um, and my sister's being so vocal with, um, I mean, I used to lead a Bible study for her and her friend and some other ladies, you know, and, and I think I've just gone so far away from that. Um, so I'm, I guess I'm having compassion with her because I'm like, it, it took me a very, very long time and I had a lot of fear and um, I had a really good friend who got very into Course in Miracles and when my mom was going through cancer asked me if he could pray for her and I was like, no way, no, don't, no. <laughs> he was into Edgar Casey, and I was like, no, no, don't put that voodoo stuff on my mom, you know. Um, so I couldn't receive, that's the level of fear I had, right, and I think that's kind of what's going on with her so so and, and, and so then I hear like Rand he's still here talking about how he's moving back closer to his family and I've been listening to other people who are people of faith and their stories of how family God spirit kind of calls people to maybe move away from family for a while and then years later they reconnect and you know I'm considering maybe moving more of a distance away from my family and just just Realizing following guidance is, is, is the only way to figure some of these things out and to see the tapestries that are created in people's lives um, where spirit directs them. And, um, and, and, and with my family, you know, I, I would, would like very much for them to be freed up from some of the mistaken ideas they have that I used to have that are uh, create a lot of pain, you know, about sin and guilt and suffering and punishment, all those kind of things. But I also realized that it's not loving to force people to go faster than they're able to go. And, um, and to accept, you know, to love people, one, one part of that, an important part is, um, you know, to accept, accept them where they are. Um, and, and then maybe another part, you know, I'm just Again, what, what, what am I to do? I'm seeking the guidance. Am I, am I to be the yeast by speaking up a little bit more clearly about what I do believe? So at least it's not mysterious, you know, like, and I, and I think, I'm not sure yet, you know, I'm not sure, not in a pushy way, but like, you know, this is where I'm at, you know, <laughs> if, 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 if any of it's of interest to you. Uh, but, um, yeah, crazy Aunt Paula. I like I like the levity that you have when you say that and the self-acceptance. And I mean, for me, it's been a painful, I've, 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 I've been thinking of it in ways that have caused me pain in terms of feeling the separation from my family and um, trying to, you know, accept it and know that I don't know what everything is for, but everything is for our highest good and all of that. Um, so to bring some levity into it and just realize it's uh, very probable that this is a, a really big part of um, the discomfort between us. Because my, my sister's very influential in my family. She's... Um, yeah, I'll just, put, I'll just leave it at that. She's pretty influential. So um, anyway, and then I wanted to share a little something about the safety uh, and, the, and knowing God takes care of us and how I'm growing in that. Um, I drove home from Carmel uh, last week and 
I ended up leaving a little later than I thought because a person came to do some work um, that I wasn't expecting um, the day I was leaving, but since they came, I wanted to take time to have the connection with them and make sure everything went well and things like that. So, so I wasn't worried about it. I was like, oh good, I'll get, I'll get to LA way after traffic and I'll just be able to go right through LA with no traffic because it's going to be so late. But I drove home on Highway 1 and, um, and, and that was the first night uh, where it was going to get dark earlier. And I, I knew it, but I kind of didn't totally register. And, and I also, because that route has been closed for so long, wanted to let myself stop and enjoy some of it. So I was allowing myself to do that at the beginning of the drive, which meant I was later, right? So anyway, it got dark and I was on this teeny tiny windy dark no lights. They don't put street lights up on that <laughs> very dark road. And so I had um, a lot of judgments and old programming come in about how irresponsible this was of me to have gotten myself into this situation and I shouldn't have left so late and this is dangerous. And, and so I, I recognized it right away. I thought, no, you know what? No. And I, I had even partly intentionally been thinking, I am not going to live in fear. You know, I'm going to be perfectly fine on this road. And I don't want to be having to be all uptight about leaving on time in order to be safe on the road. So, so I just started singing some of my songs that I make up that uh, one, I have one in particular that's about um, being safe and, 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 um, so to shift my out of my, the, the thinking was starting to veer into fear and judgment, you know, it was, it was really clear. I'm like, Oh no, no, pull it back. And, um, so I, I did that. And all of a sudden there's like three cars in front of me, which that helps a whole lot, you know, three cars and headlights. I'm like angels. Ah, oh, great. Thank you. Angels. And then there was like a whole line and I, I was like, Oh, well, this is a cinch. God's taking care of me. It's so great. And then some of them pulled off uh, at this, we went past a place that had like gas station and little stores and stuff, you know, so a whole bunch of people pulled off. So then there was like a pretty big space between me and the, I don't know, like the front cars kept going, but there's this whole middle pack that just all pulled off. So then I couldn't catch up to the, because I wasn't going to drive too fast. I was trying to, I, I, I was trying to drive careful. So but, but by that time, I kind of felt pretty reassured. And so anyway, sure, you know, it, it all went fine. And then um, I got to Cayucas and, and an indicator light went on on my car and it was the battery light. And I'm like, hmm, I bet I shouldn't ignore this. I bet I better pull off. So I pulled off at Cayucas and it was dark and, and I thought there'd be a gas station. I couldn't see a light. I couldn't even see a light in a house. I mean, it was just dark. And then I thought, well, I'm going to turn around. But I saw, then I saw a, a light and it was a, a gas station that looked kind of, and it was very dimly lit. I went there for a little bit and called AAA and then I decided to drive to San Luis Obispo. But this was getting kind of long. The, um, even when I got to San Luis Obispo, I pulled off at a gas station. I knew there'd be like a lot more activity in San Luis Obispo. And at the gas station, there was these two wonderful ladies working. I swear I felt like they were angels. So one, the first one that was working there, I said, you know, I've got this car and this car light went on and my cell phone's dead because the battery in my car was dying. So can, can I plug my cell phone in anywhere around here? And she's like, oh, sure, right there. And, and she said, you know everything happens for a reason. And I said, I know you're right. And anyway, I made some calls to AAA to have them come. And then she left and the other lady came and um, 
and I chatted a little with her and she says, you know, it could be so much worse. You haven't received some kind of a deadly diagnosis or this or that. I said, you know, you're absolutely right. So I just felt like I had angels, right? And then I watched the two of them together and they take care of each other. One was giving the other one a massage and this is a college town. So I watched how lovely they were with the college students who came in to buy their little snack foods. And um, they were just lovely people. And, and then the toad that, you know, the AAA guy was great. And then I had to have my car towed to a hotel. So the tow truck guy was great. And then the guy at the hotel was great. And, uh, my car had to be jumped, so he towed my car to the motel, and then he had to jump my car so I could pull it into a parking place. I parked it, I turned my car off, and I realized, oh, shoot, I'm in a handicapped parking place, and I can't start my car, and the tow truck's gone. So I go into the hotel. I said, uh, well, I'm here, because I called, and I said, but I just accidentally parked my car in a handicapped place. And he's like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And it ended up my car was right in front of the door to the room I was going to be staying in. And I had my car packed because it had been a long trip and a big trip. It wasn't just one little suitcase. And I had to unpack it all because I didn't know if it'd be safe. So <laughs> all that to say, and then the next day went smoothly, and it just felt... Um, kind of surreal really I mean I had to get my car towed to the garage and I had to get the car fixed and so I walked around San Luis Obispo uh, and um, and right at the end of my visit I met a lady we sat down and had coffee together and she was like a coach kind of counselor person and she and her husband had downsized into a 262 foot square square foot trailer and uh we just had a lovely connection you know um she walked with me back to the garage so i i, I came away with this feeling like i mean not a feeling a whole experience of um god really takes care of me you know and and uh, I was so grateful because I um, I really felt mostly in peace, except for that one point where I started to veer off into the fear and judgment. But then after that, after pulling myself back, it just really felt like angels were showing up and everything was falling into place. And um, it, it Tracy, it occurred to me when you first said that about how you pulled yourself back. Every time one of us does that. Right. We do it for everybody. Yeah. So that moment is magnificent. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. I agree. Thank you. Yeah. Every, every time we're listening to each other's shares about ways that we're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, so it, it was. It was a really good lesson, and there was a part of me that was wondering, well. You know, did I do something in my mind to create the, you know, the problem, the alternator? It turned out to be my alternator. The tow truck guy says, you can't drive home. You, you, your car will die. <laughs> so, um, and, um, you know, somebody suggested to me, maybe I created it so I could experience this, all of this God taking care of me, right? Or... Um, or who knows how somebody might have been touched. I interacted with quite a few people during that time. And um, it, it, it all, so there wasn't anything real big that I could say, oh, I, you know, like I saved somebody's life while I was there. You know, it's nothing, nothing, nothing big like that. But um, I, I just have a real trust that it was all exactly. Oh, and then this was the other thing. That was voting day. And I wanted to vote. And I hadn't voted. 
So when I get my car fixed, I'm ready to leave the garage. I'm like, how long do you think? Because the, the guy said he uh, frequently comes close to this area. I said, how long do you think it's going to take me to get home? He said, oh, five or six hours. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like, I want to vote. Okay. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to be able to vote. I'm going to be able to vote. I mean, I was like, my body, I was not stopping and I was able to vote. I mean, I got home at like 7.10 and went and found my stuff and unpacked a few things and drove over to the polling place and got in the door like five minutes before and there was all these lovely people you know doing that great work they're doing there and um that was also lovely so i felt very good about that too the intention you know and the will to get there to be able to vote mm -hmm. i was really really grateful I've been having a lot of little things like that where I'm like, okay, the power of my mind and willing with God, things that are for sure, you know, not going to hurt anybody that are, you know, they might be maybe something little for me, um, but they're not going to hurt anybody. And, and when I am thinking that way, um, a lot of times it, it, it goes that way. It's, and then sometimes I forget and then, and then it doesn't go as smoothly. <laughs> I just, Really interesting. So, yeah. That's my share. What I what what uh, struck me, Tracy, with your share. Thank you for sharing. Um, was kind of the, well, and Rand is speaking about it as well, kind of the push-pull with the family, you know, and of course holidays now. And I've been away, you know, I live um, a thousand miles away from my family. They live in the Midwest and I'm in Colorado. So, uh, you know, I hardly ever see them. And, but, you know, every year I kind of think about it. You know, it's like, oh, another year, you know, and I mostly have, um, I think I've mostly done uh, something with my mind where I just tell myself that holidays are, are nice days, but they're really no different than any other day. It's just the meaning we give them. And so I, I don't have to give them that meaning and I can just enjoy the day however I want. And so that's really how I have been doing it all these years. But I guess this year I was just thinking, you know, well, what if I actually, you know, like even could like just magically, uh, you know, like in Star Trek, you know, go into one of those things and just, you know, go into particles and then reassemble, you know, in Chicago and I could be with my family. And I thought about it and I thought, I thought about all the times growing up and all the family get togethers and I really have had such an overwhelming feeling of being alone in my family, you know, that everybody else seems to be connecting and laughing. And, you know, there's this whole way of that people relate about being witty and funny. That's so valued in, in my family. And it's just not the way I am at all. I'm not wired like that. And so I've, I just have never really felt like I, I, I don't even want to compete or whatever that means at that level. And, so I just, I'm quiet and I'm more withdrawn. Um, and, and I do well in, with one-on-ones with people. That's where I can get my connection and, and feel like there's been something 
fulfilling that has happened. But it's been a really long time. And I, I just thought, you know, in my heart, it, it is not a deep desire of my heart, you know, to, to be with my family. And I, I honestly say I love them. I love my sisters. I, I think if one of my sisters were to die, I would, it would be one of, it would be a very serious um, challenge for me, you know, to go through that grief process. Or maybe not, I don't know. But, but that's how I, th I think it would be. But I, I feel like I do better kind of loving them from afar through the, you know, through the phone or through Skype or something like that, that I, I'm just so aware of how we're on just different paths. And they were, they both took paths that were expected uh, you know, of all of us, and, and I didn't, and, and there's something about being, I guess, I mean, I've never been called a black sheep in my family, but I identify with being a black sheep, and, and, and it's been, it's been painful at times, um, but my mother, bless my mother's heart, it's like she, she got it, I mean, somewhere maybe five or eight years ago, um, she, she actually said to me, did you ever really think you were going to become one of, you know, those people that was going to get married and live in the suburbs and have a big house and, you know, care about charities and things like that? I said, no. And she said, well, I never thought you were going to be one of those people. Well, that's just not who you are. It was such a gift to me, you know, that she she saw that in me and then every year afterwards she would send me birthday cards that always spoke to being unique and in a wonderful way and i i got it that you know she completely accepted me you know for who i was and that being with my family it wasn't that my family was judging me i was judging myself there and making myself really unhappy because i didn't feel like i fit in so I'm, I'm really quite happy to be here um, for this Thanksgiving. My, my best friend lives not far away and she's invited me and, and wants me to come so badly that she's even gonna drive out to pick me up and have somebody else take me home. And it's like, wow, I feel pretty loved. <laughs> That's pretty cool, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I just wanted to share that just was a kind of a new realization for me about, about my relationship in my family. Thank you, that was very helpful. I think I've been doing some similar kind of honestly looking inside and like you said, like, well, how has it been for me when I'm with them? And it's not the same as what you said, but like I'm the only one who's not married with kids and that's the whole focus. I mean, I love the kids and I love to support couples with kids and stuff, but they don't know how to relate to me at all. And I don't know how to relate to them given that. So it's, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're what you described about being in pretty different places. That part's really similar with with me and, and my family. Is your mother still with you? Mm -mm, no, two years ago she left. Oh, okay. 
Mm. But I so relate to what you're saying because I was the only divorced person in my family. Well, yeah, oh, me too. The big oh, yeah. And that's, oh, oh, yeah, and that's, that's, a, that's a big no-no, right? That's so That was oh, not okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was a therapist too, so I had a big no-no too. I mean, I was like, I, yeah, hmm. yeah, so I'm going to spend it with the, um, the Center for Spiritual Living where I go that I really love. The co-ministers there are now married. Um, they've been doing this for a few years. He, um, he gives her the credit card and she goes and buys the food and cooks it all. And they say anybody can come. So the first year there was 20 and last year there was 100. And we're going to see that here because they're saying, you know, if you know anybody who doesn't have a place to be invited, I'm like, wow, there's no sign up sheet. <laughs> and last year it was like the, the parable of the loaves and fishes because with a hundred people there were leftovers oh my goodness it was like that we were all like there's leftovers wow there was a hundred people and there's leftovers <laughs> so anyways it's it's that's a pretty wonderful loving thing to do and part be part of you know yeah. so i feel grateful mm-hmm. uh, i i was getting the image or i heard this at, at one time that being in the, the spiritual path, you know, there's flock birds, there's birds that are in flocks and they travel in flocks and that's it. And then there's birds like eagles who are lone birds. And sometimes they'll connect with another bird and they'll fly wingtip to wingtip together. And you might think that it's lonely, but they're just birds of a different feather. And, um, you know, they're, they're, uh, um, it's just different. And I think we're, we can be also like eagles. You know, we don't fit into a flock doesn't mean we don't love the flock. It doesn't mean that there's nothing, that there's something wrong with the flock. That's fine. It's just eagles have a different perspective on things. You know, they're high off the ground. They can be in a tree and see, you know, a broader view. And I think that's what, that's part of what the ascension is, you know. And so sometimes we look back at the flock and go, wow, darn it, why can't I be one of the flock? (laughs) Look at them down there. They're having a great time, and I'm up here all by myself. (laughs) But, you know, it's also a beautiful thing. So thank you all for being eagles, eagles. And I love that we're together like this, flying wingtip to (laughs) wingtip. I once had an eagle in a meditation um, come to me. I was I was about seven months pregnant with my first son, and so I was twenty. And I was in a mid- little small meditation group, and we were just sitting in a circle doing a <clears throat> sort of a lotus position meditation together. And during that meditation, we did some om chanting. Uh, I had a vision of an eagle flying towards me, and it, it flew right into my third eye and when it hit my third eye my my head started to do this kind of thing like it was a little bit of a the 
the yoga teacher that was with us said it was kundalini energy rising up my spine making my head sort of spin around like that and it started it started to feel so strange to me i broke the silence and i burst out laughing i was just so ecstatic that the eagle had just come to me and it was just pure joy pure joy and i think that was my first real spiritual experience like uh, I, I don't even know what it was, but it was just, I think the eagle may be my spirit animal. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so, yeah, when you said that, Paula, about the eagles, I, I completely identify with the eagle, and I'm, but I hadn't thought of it in the way that you explained with the other birds, which really, it helps to see that, <clears throat> yeah, the eagle doesn't necessarily naturally um, flock. Mm. Yeah, that's that's kind of comforting to know that it, I don't have to flock to be, you know, part of the oneness. I'm part of the oneness even if I'm a lone eagle. <laughs> and we're really not alone. I mean, we've got this way now of flying wingtip to wingtip so we're eagles learning how to how to flock the smaller flocks <laughs> smaller flocks <laughs> like rand was talking about and learning our isolation right I think I had posted on the Facebook page for me, on my Facebook page, this guy that had an ultralight and he flies around the country with these geese. Yeah. Used to them. Have you guys seen that? It's really marvelous. It, it's one of those things you want to have on your bucket list to be in the, uh, this guy's ultralights, a two-man ultralight, so you can fly with him. And you, you can reach out and touch the geese as they're flying. <laughs> It's it's pretty marvelous, and the and the geese are flying wingtip to wingtip. So the other beautiful thing about geese is that they change out who is the leader. Yeah, you know it's not like this one bird is the leader and everybody, you know, there's a pecking order. Everybody shifts out and they change position. I think that's lovely about geese. I wanted one more story. <clears throat> there was a, at the yoga monastery, I met a woman who was a, uh, an astrologer. She's an Indian astrologer and Indian astrology is different than Western astrology. But she did my chart and I got to know her. And one day she came to the yoga monastery with her daughter who was visiting from India. Now, I don't know if you know this, but in India, there are sages that sit in caves around the country of India, especially in the Himalayas, and meditate for the benefit of humanity. Now, this girl was about 27. She was being prepared to be one of those meditating sages. 
she was beautiful, you know, just a lovely young woman, you know, her head was shaved and growing back a little bit, just gorgeous. And it was just beyond my comprehension at that time to think of somebody sitting for the rest of their life in meditation for the benefit of humanity alone. So, so I would think. <clears throat> what was beautiful was she came into our temple and she was walking toward the altar. And on the altar was a statue of one of the forms of mother of the universe. And she was covered with flowers and garlands and things like that, which is what you do at a, at a, a Hindu temple. And the, I watched this, I saw it with my own eyes, a flower, unprovoked, came down, rolled down the front of this goddess, off of the platform to the feet of this young woman. Somebody somewhere took notice. <laughs> and I think about that, and I think about her a lot and wonder, where she is today, you know, and, and I'm grateful that she is meditating all by herself, but not alone. I mean, just think of all the other saints that have done that. Think of all the, you know, energy of higher self and, and, and divine self that she's bringing through for the rest of us. But I don't think that all of us that are here right now are all that different. We're just doing it differently. <laughs> Y'all very precious. Yes, I, I think an amazing being that will take a bodhisattva approach, you know, and, and I think that's really pretty wonderful that you actually got to meet somebody like that. You wonder where they come from, you know. I mean, and this was, uh, the, 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 yeah, this was a beautiful experience. And the mother, of course, was totally on board. You know, she doesn't. She's not going. No, I want my daughter to marry and raise a family, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. She's like, this is what's happening. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'll be thinking about her, Paul. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> well, it, isn't it cool that we are all thinking about her now? Yes. And, and she's out there. Yes. That, you know, yes. so it's part of the oneness. <laughs> and all the different expressions, you know, again, the ways we're each moved to give expression to spirit. I'm just so grateful for having a much more open mind about that and, and being able to r really honor every, every way of expressing 
it, you know. I mean, I hear, I, I hear judgmental comments sometimes. So, you know, this person is doing too much or that person is not doing enough in terms of being a spiritual person, right? You, know, you should be more active. You should be left at, less active. And, and I'm starting to get at the point where it's like, how in the heck should I know what each person is supposed to do? I mean, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> so, you know, it's just so beautiful. Just so somebody's sitting in a cave for their whole life for the sake of humanity and somebody else is out feeding the hungry and yeah it's it's, it's really beautiful and that you saw that flower that that wow Paula I'm wondering what yoga monastery you you're speaking of Uh, this was a, a, a monastery started by uh, Swami Lakshmi, who was a, a disciple of Swami Vishnu Devananda, who was a disciple of Swami Shivananda. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Swami Shivananda. He's written about, sorry, he's written about 400 books in uh, English, but never left India, you know, mm -hmm. and he was really part of the movement to bring yoga to America. Uh, I think he died in 1981. So there was this movement of swamis and others bringing yoga to America that he was part of. And this particular monastery was created in the Pocono Mountains in Pennsylvania, uh, where Swami Lakshmi's son used to go to a Jewish camp. And uh, uh, so she fell in love with the Poconos. <clears throat> and uh, she used to go there and she had a vision uh, of Swami Shivananda, and there were all these people walking uh, in front of her house, and she said, where are they all going? And this was a sort of a dream vision, and he said to her, they're going to a new ashram that's here in the Pocono Mountains, and you're creating it. <laughs> and she did, and at first it was called the Shivananda Yoga Camp Retreat, and people came out from New York because she put ads in the Village Voice, that's how long ago this was. I don't think I, I don't think any of you are old enough to remember the village voice. <laughs> yeah. So there were a lot of um, students who came out, and 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 when I came there in 1972, there was about I'd say 40 people there, you know. And as we moved toward the 80s, that kind of pared down. And then we uh, became, a, we called ourselves the University of Yoga One or something like that. And then we aligned with the Indian, uh, there's four Jagadguru Shankaracharyas in India, uh, one in the north, south, east, west, and we aligned with the one in the south. And eventually we, we <clears throat> became like a monastic center for Hinduism in the United States, which is not what we started out to do. We started out to be yogi hippies or hippie yogis. <laughs> but one thing led to another and the IRS played a major role because we wanted to be tax deductible and they didn't understand yoga at that time. So we had to explain ourselves to them through the Hindu uh, terminology that this was a religious institution. And in doing so is how we connected with the Jagad Gurus. And today, this yoga monastery is a 
spiritual center that is run by one of those Jagad Guru uh, Shankaracharyas. You know, we, we actually, all of us that were Westerners did leave um, by maybe eight, uh, 1992, something like that. And so it's all now uh, uh, Indian run uh, again. But, you know, those of us who were there, it was like our karma, like all the eagles coming together and then dispersing. And so it was, it was an interesting experience. So it's there now, Felicia, if you ever want to go to Readers, Pennsylvania, in the Pocono Mountains. Um, but it's very different, very different than it was when we were there. And Swami Lakshmi was our cantankerous guru, which we all learned from and loved. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Thank you. I was just wondering if it might be um, Yogaville that you were speaking of. That's all. But that's okay. very interesting. But I have to say this, Felicia. Yogaville was started by Swami um, uh, Satchidananda. Satchidananda. Yeah. And Satchidananda was one of the direct disciples of Swami Shivananda from Rishikesh, India. And so his kind of yoga, which is still going on about an hour from here uh, in Virginia, is uh, very much the kind of yoga that we originally practiced and the kind of ashram that we had in the Poconos. And, uh, I, don't, I, just, I don't hang out with it anymore, but uh, I am very grateful. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for sharing. Sure. Yeah, thank you, Paula. So many beautiful imageries tonight of the circles and the eagles flying wingtip to wingtip. And yeah. So it's 40 minutes after. Does anyone have any last minutes? burning shares or prayer requests and would anyone like to play pray us out i will thank you laurel let's put our hands over our hearts and take a nice nice slow deep easy breath love and gratitude fill ourselves up with it circulate around our body. We're so blessed, so, so blessed to be able to come together to share from our hearts and just from the deepest parts of who we are, to be able to be present for one another and to just support each other and love each other. And we are so grateful for that. Holy Spirit, we feel you, we know that you're with us. Um, we are just so willing to more and more be open to whatever it is that you wish to guide for each of us along our paths. And we just are letting go of the obstacles that we have in the way um, of mistrust. We just aren't interested in thoughts of mistrust anymore. Um, you, you can take them. We're giving them up to you. We really just want to be trusting 
and have faith that everything that is happening in our lives actually in every moment is perfectly designed for exactly what we need. And we are so grateful to finally know that that's what's happening and to let go of our resistance to it. It's, it's really quite a freeing experience and to be able to fly wingtip to wingtip with each other and knowing that we're going in that direction towards more and more freedom and all of the spiritual qualities. It is beyond uh, any gift that can be had in this physical world. And so thank you. Thank you for being such a strong energy that we can't even help but feel you and know your presence in our heart and in our mind. And so as we continue onward, we know, we know that um, the, the journey's end is guaranteed. We know that we will reach enlightenment. Uh, we don't have to worry about it. it it's, it's happening. So we can just hope that, um, that our paths are, are that, we're, we, that we become more and more the happy learner so that our challenges become things that we're learning from and that we can remember to laugh about sooner rather than later. Amen. Thank you, precious, Laurel. Precious, Laurel. Thank you. Thank you, Laurel. Thank, thank you. you, everyone. Good night, everybody. Thank you, Rieko. <laughs> yes, thank you, Rieko. <laughs> oh, thank you. Have a good night. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Felicia. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Laurel, don't forget to post that uh, probiotic for me. I shall, Rand. Me too. Me too. Hey, hey you got okay, a okay. bottle takers here. Hey, we all want to. Post it on Facebook. Post it on the Facebook. Okay. Lots of love, everybody. Good night. Take care. Bye-bye.